All right, hello everybody. Welcome to today's Book of the Day show. I'm here with a very special guest, Joel Salatin, and we're talking about uh, a great book, Holy Cows and Hog Heaven. Uh, so those of you who don't know, Joel uh, is in large part responsible for a lot of the stuff that you see me doing. When I was uh, 18 or 19 years old out of high school, I went with Joel and uh, did an apprenticeship, which is somewhat like a mentorship. It's like a mentorship with a lot of hard work on a farm. So how are you, Joel? I'm doing great, Ty. Thanks. Thanks for giving me the time. Oh, thank you. Well, let's, let's jump into this book. It's called A Food, Guy, uh, food Buyer's Guide to Farm-Friendly Food. I want to jump in with this. I just got off the phone a couple hours ago with Richard Dawkins, who wrote the book *The Selfish Gene*. Uh, and you may have heard of him. He's he's a interesting. He was voted the top intellectual in the world in I think 2013. And I asked him what he thought of genetically modified food because he he's a he's a basically a biologist who studies genes and DNA. And he said, I think it's dangerous. Probably. Well, he. Let, let me not put words in his mouth. He said, it could be dangerous. Uh, we don't know much about it. Why don't we just jump in on that? Why, the reason, one of the reasons people want to buy food uh, from farmers is because they're worried about all the GMO and all this stuff. What are your thoughts? Well, absolutely. Uh, in fact, you know, every day we're seeing more and more uh, failures, I should say, in the um, mechanically, the mechanically paradigmed uh, food system as opposed to biologically paradigmed. And, uh, and that, that mechanical uh, idea is, you know, is, is manifesting itself. I and mean, we have a whole new lexicon today of words that anybody who's older than 40 uh, doesn't ever remember hearing in, in grade school. You know, we never heard the words, uh, you know, Campylobacter, Listeria, E. coli, Salmonella, let alone, you know, bovine fungiform encephalopathy and, uh, and, and gluten, you know, gluten intolerance, food allergies. You know, if you wanted to get together with friends, you just brought food. You know, you didn't, you didn't uh, have all these other issues to deal with. And so I think there's a, there's a deep down intuitive understanding that things are awry, things are not quite right, but many people really don't know where to go. They don't know where to go from that kind of gut feeling that, yeah, maybe think, uh, gut, uh, no pun intended, gut feeling, <laughs> yeah. that, that there's, there's something a little bit wrong. Where do I go from here? Uh, and so I wrote this little little book basically for, for seekers, seekers who are trying to figure out, okay, something's not quite right. What is it, and where do I go from here? So you lay out in the book, you know, the difference uh, between food that you would want to eat. Obviously, you have a farm, Polyface Farm, very famous farm. Uh, but if you were not a farmer, the things you would look for, you put in here, are things like open. Like, is the farm hiding something? Can you just go drive on the farm? Or if you're at a farmer's market and you're talking to a farmer, uh, will they just freely answer questions? As opposed to, a lot of people don't know, you know, big factory farms, you, you almost have to have a hazmat suit to get in. Yeah, in fact, uh, the, the nicest sign I ever saw at a farm was in Australia. I drove up to this place. It looked like a no trespassing sign. 
Uh, I have one now here, and it says, uh, trespassers will be impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I, why, why I, I are... I like that. So, yeah, so what you're looking for is a, you know, is a very transparent, open farm. We, we have a very open core policy. I've heard, I've heard some people say that if you go to farmer's market and you buy something from a farmer for three times, and in, by the end of the third time, if the farmer has not invited you out to the farm, that might be a red flag to you. You want that, you know, embrace, that open door, that uh, a, a kind of a, a hugs mentality. Right. Interesting. So, because a lot of times farmer market, uh, what's happening, I think, somewhat is it's not actually always the farmer. It's somebody buying the farmer, and it's a little bit like the game telephone. The further away you get from the source, the more potential there is for being misled. Sure. Sure. We, we call, we, in the food system, we call that the chain of custody. The longer that chain of custody, the more, uh, you know, the more opportunities there are for a, for a shyster or, or just a mistake, uh, you know, an, a, a mistake to take hold. How open do you think is the organic movement? Because you, you've talked a lot about going beyond organic, that just a label that says there's no pesticides uh, may not be enough. So what's more open than just a label? Well, I mean, the organic movement as it's, as it's developed now is actually not very open. It's, it's largely been kind of co-opted by the big uh, corporate interests. And uh, it takes outfits uh, suing the USDA a couple of times a year to try to uh, create a little bit of semblance of accountability there at, at, at the U.S. Dub. So I, I call it the U.S. Dub. <laughs> so I, I like to, um, you know, I, I like to say we are customer certified. Uh, in other words, we are actually encouraging and making and incentivizing and uh, making it easy for folks to come and visit the farm. And uh, we find that that actually adds a lot more accountability because if we're, if we're open 24-7, 365 to scrutiny from anyone in the world to see anything, anytime, unannounced, that keeps us on our toes as to how we're doing things. And, and uh, because all of us, you know, all of us need a little bit of accountability in our lives. Uh, and and that's, a, that's a good way to get it. Dan Ariely, he wrote a book, he's a professor at Duke, and he wrote a book about lying, and he said just a sign uh, above a group of students taking an SAT test that says, don't cheat, we're watching you, uh, lowers the incidence of cheating. So openness definitely works uh, all the way around. Yes, yes, that, that is for sure. Now, the next thing you talk about is food being treated biologically. Now, a lot of people, you know, go, well, isn't that a given? Isn't food always treated biologically? What would you say to that? <laughs> I would say that uh, most of the food in the, in, the developed, in the developed countries, for sure, is not treated biologically. It's treated mechanically. And even, uh, you know, animals are treated mechanically. Look, uh, let, let's just take an example you know, for years, the, uh, the, the U.S. Dub took farmers like us to free steak dinners to teach us a new scientific, progressive way of uh, feeding, feeding cows, which was we, we'd take dead cows, we'd grind them up, and we'd feed them back to cows. 
uh, you know, and, and farmers like me who didn't embrace it uh, were branded as uh, Luddite and, uh, you know, anti-progressive, anti-science, you know, rebel, you name your, you know, pick your adjective. And, uh, and so I, uh, you know, here we are, uh, you know, 30 or 40 years later, and suddenly there was this big global uh, recognition that, well, well, good grief, you know, maybe we shouldn't all have done that. And, and uh, the reason that we didn't do it was not because we hated the USDA or hated progress or were Luddites. It was because we looked around for a net, for an ecological pattern in which herbivores eat carrion. Guess what? It didn't exist. There, there is none. There is none. And so uh, that's where if, if you take that, that biology, that life is not just mechanical, that there's, ab- there's actually something maybe even beyond what we understand. You know, at the time, we didn't know. We, we didn't know the ramifications of feeding dead cows to cows. Um, it had never been done before, and so we didn't know. But a mechanical person says, well, feed is feed, and if we can do it cheaper and grow them faster, fatter, bigger, and cheaper, you know, who cares? Well, um, nature cares. And there's a lot about it that we don't understand. And so when we when we take a biological view, we back up and say, wow, this isn't just inanimate piles of protoplasm to be manipulated, however cleverly hubris can imagine to manipulate it. It's actually life, you know, a life that, that responds, that moves, that, that acts. You know, it, it's not just a bearing in a car. And, uh, and that is a very fundamental a worldview difference between the industrial food system and the more, you know, uh, uh, ecological food system. Yeah, you can't just take Henry Ford's factory system. It works great building cars and tractors, but not as good when it comes to feeding, figuring out how animals should be raised and the food we should eat. One question, uh, it was int- I did a post on a book called Eat the Yolks. It's kind of a paleo book, and it... Um, it talks about fat and how we should eat the yolk of the egg, not just egg whites. And I got a lot of response, and one of them was from uh, some of the response, a lot of positive, some were from people who, who talk about the China study, which says being more vegetarian is healthy. Uh, others were from people saying, no, you know, fat is fat, cholesterol is cholesterol, it's bad for you. And I was bringing up when I was there on the farm with you, how when we sent eggs, you know, I wrote them back, the comment that I replied to their comment, I said, how much, the eggs that you tested, how much alfalfa did they eat? How much clover did they eat? How many grasshoppers and insects did they eat versus the other eggs that you tested in a factory? And people don't even understand what I'm talking about, but can you speak <laughs> to this, you know, all eggs are not the same, so all these studies become very random because you never know what the control actually was. Yes. Well, that that is so that is so well put, and we see it in everything from the China study to well, the China study has been largely debunked. I mean, it, it was it was a uh, even the scientific community, it, it's an extremely uh, unscientific thing. So it, it's been pretty much debunked. But if you go on to like you know uh, the, the long shadow report that the UN did about you know how terrible cows are. And, uh, and, of course, the whole idea that, you know, that, that animals take way too many resources, 
uh, what Jeremy Rifkin stuff about, you know, it takes um, whatever, 20,000 gallons of water to make a pound of beef. I mean, all these things, these are all, you're exactly right, they're all assuming a certain production model, which is, and the current production model, which, you know, which, which prevails on the earth, the current production model is one that is extremely anti-natural pattern. So, uh, so the actual type, the, the data points, the data points that drive these studies and the statistics um, are, are coming from a certain orthodoxy. And that orthodoxy then uh, drives all of the findings. And if you change the initial data point, then of course you have a whole different thing. So for example, I can just give you one example. We had our eggs uh, checked for 12 nutrients through a Mother Earth News magazine uh, study that, that used 12, 12 pastured poultry farmers in the U.S. And, uh, and let's just take folic acid. The, the standard amount of folic acid, which is very important for pregnant women, is an essential fatty acid. Uh, folic acid, the average egg in, a, in America, in the, the, the regular you know, factory egg, uh, has about 48 micrograms per egg, and our eggs tested out 1,038 micrograms per egg. The same thing is true with vitamin A, riboflavin. I mean, you could go down the line, and the, the nutrient quality, the nutrient ratios and volumes and qualities are completely different. You don't even think, I mean, it's like the difference between, you know, mercury and Pluto. This is not... These are not little 5% deviations. Um, you know, uh, grass-finished beef, 300% more riboflavin. Well, what's important about riboflavin? Well, it's, it's the one that makes your nerves function real well and calms you down. Why is everybody going bonkers? Well, you know, we're not getting any riboflavin because we're, you know, we're, we're, treating, we're treating our beef animals like they're some sort of a machine. Just fuel them up with whatever you, know, you can find and make them pump up and grow fast and, and, and we're good. Um, and, and so, you know, Sir Albert Howard said, he's the kind of father of modern uh, aerobic composting, he said in 1943 in an agricultural testament, he said, when you begin feeding your soils with artificial manures, that's what he called chemical fertilizers, they grow artificial plants, which grow artificial animals, which, make, which, which feed artificial people who are then only able to stay alive by the use of artificial which, of course, you know, in 1943, he couldn't have foreseen the growth of the pharmaceutical industry, but if that isn't an artificial, you know, propped up with artificial, I don't know what is. It was a, it was a very uh, prescient uh, look into the future. Yeah, and I think that uh, when you look at trends, like I read a trend that in the next, I think, 20 years, uh, we'll reach a point in the U.S. where 50% of kids will either be diabetic or pre-diabetic. And already, uh, between the age of two and five, not even five-year-old kids, about 8% of American children that age are either fat or obese. Yes. Yeah, well, you know, uh, the U.S. Loves to, loves to lead the world in certain things, but there's some things we lead the world in that aren't very good. Like <laughs> one, of them is, one of them is we now lead the world in, uh, in chronic non-infectious morbidity diseases. Uh, that's not a good place <laughs> to be number one in the world. And, and so, yeah, and, and these are the kind, the trend lines that we're seeing, like, you know, for the first time, 
we're hearing that the next generation probably won't live as long as the previous one. Uh, you know, there, there are numerous trend lines that are, that are quite, you know, unsettling to anybody who's watching these trend lines. Uh, morbidity trend lines, pathogen toxicity, um, you know, childhood diseases from, you know, leukemia to obesity to diabetes. All of these trend lines are just, well, they're hockey stick, they're hockey stick trend lines. And anyone who studies, you know, statistics knows that hockey stick trend lines are the ones you got to be, that, that they don't go on forever. You know, things, things implode, things fall apart when you have a hockey stick trend line. So if you, let's say you were in an alternate environment, you didn't live on a farm, for whatever reason you lived in a, a city, a small city or a large city, and you had a, uh, a family what are three things you would do right away uh, based on the things you talk about in this book, Holy Cows and Hog Heaven, uh, Joel, that you think would bring, if you had been living a conventional life, eating conventional uh-huh. food, three changes, yeah, what are three changes Yeah, that you would do immediately knowing what you know as a, a leader in, in you know food thought movement, maybe we call it. Sure, sure. Well, the, the first thing I would do is probably... Um, um, you know, put my foot through the television. <laughs> just, just uh, you know, give myself some time. But, but, but uh, in, in reality, the first thing would be to look down and take our recreational entertainment budget for the year and say, okay, uh, whatever time and money we were budgeting for just, you know, uh, fluffy entertainment, we're going to take that amount of time and money and we're going to devote it going on a treasure hunt of integrity food in our community. Fortunately now, now that may mean a trip to farmer's market. It may mean join a CSA. It may mean, uh, um, you know, taking the family out to some, some local farms. It may mean joining the, the uh, you know, California um, Ecological Food and Farming Association, whatever. But, but the point is there is a, there is a tribe. There is a, a, a Complete, comprehensive tribe that's out here. Um, it's, it's, you know, it doesn't make the front page of the New York Times every day, but it is a growing, um, uh, credible tribe that is producing integrity food, and and it's it's much much larger now than it was when we started a few decades ago. So just put some attention on finding it. You cannot make a change in your life without changing something you do. Uh, I wish I could snap my fingers and everybody could suddenly, you know, eat great stuff and, and, and be healthy and not have to make any changes. But the fact is that if you're going to change your life's trajectory, you have to change your life's routine. That's, all, that's the way it works. And so, so I like to take, think about taking an entertainment budget, recreational budget, time and money, and just take one year, I've seen people do this all over in condominiums, high-rise apartments, big cities, and in one year, they find all these wonderful treasures in their community and completely, completely uh, change their, you know, their, their, uh, their habits, their buying habits. Number two, number two, I would say, um, you know, get in your kitchen. I mean, you need, you need to have an, an idea in, in your head, you need to realize that, that, that becoming a visceral participant, a, a knowledgeable visceral participant in the in the game of food acquisition 
and, and development has got to be as interesting, exciting, and sexy to you as, uh, re- as, as being passionately informed about the latest dysfunction in the Kardashian household. This is the book. I'm holding it up on video here. Holy Cows and Hog Heaven. I have it listed in my top recommended books. Joel, if people want to know more, and you're writing, you got a new book coming out? You always have a new book, I'm sure. (laughs) Always, always, Ty. I'm always either working on one or or finalizing one. Yeah, I do. Uh, There's a new one coming out next spring. It'll be book number 10. And, uh, and it's, It'll be hopefully around in February, um, and the title is Pigness of Pigs, Does God Care? I call this my coming out book. Uh, <laughs> I've, called, I, <laughs> I've called myself the, you know, the Christian Libertarian Environmentalist Capitalist Lunatic, and, um, and, and I, I think that the, uh, the conservative Christian right has really done itself a great disservice for many decades by uh, poo-pooing and kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, just making fun of the, you know, of, of creation care of, of the of the environmentalists. And, yeah, there's plenty to make fun of some of the, you know, radical environmentalist fringes, absolutely. But to just, to just uh, uh, you know, paint with a broad brush that, that, that if you hug a tree, you're some kind of a, um, you know, pagan anti-God barbarian, is is uh, 
it is not only foolish, it is it, it does a lot of injustice to the kind of creation stewardship that the conservative religious right ought to be embracing and um, and, and you know evangelizing for. And so um, so you know this this book I'm hoping uh, will speak to that you know creation care in a very visceral, very practical way. You know, the question is. Well, what does a farm that what does a farm and a food system that exhibits, for example, forgiveness look like? Uh, you know, does it look like a Tyson farm, or does it look like a pasture livestock farm? Uh, you know, the, these great big kind of spiritual principles. Uh, what do they actually look like on the land? And uh, and Ty, I know that your time among the uh, the Amish, and this is one of the things that that the Amish, uh, you know, make a big point of is that yeah, it's not just Spiritual thoughts are not just, you know, academic focus group stuff. They actually are supposed to manifest themselves, you know, in the in the way you actually uh, live live your life and the decisions that you make. And uh, and and so th- this is a kind of a wake up call and encouragement uh, challenge, if you will. And it's funny, you know, the people that seem more excited about it than the than the conservative religious right are the environmentalist rat radical liberals. You were saying, man, I will get that for my Christian friends. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a lot of handing out this book from group to group. Well, awesome. Well, people can check out, uh, what's the website? Is it Polyface, Polyface Farms? Yes, Polyface Farms. They yeah, polyfacefarms.com. We have a, a good website, and uh, you, can, you can get things there or see more information. Of course, you can always get... You know, get books through Amazon or your local bookstore or whatever. Awesome. Well, Joel, thanks so much for being on the show. Holy cows and hog heaven with Joel Salatin. Talk to you guys soon.